0: Amen. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you, guys, for that warm welcome. I'm excited. Um, I'm ready to just go. I'm ready to just do some stuff, and I'm thankful for the congratulations and everything, but I'm ready um, to just go into this next phase and step. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. I am excited for my ordination service. Uh, That is, like Philip said, on a Wednesday, which was not the goal, but it is hard to get pastors to clear schedules and to make things happen, and a lot of guys are giving up time to be here, period, and the 20th is when we could do it, so that's when we can do it, um, and I'm really excited, um, Philip didn't mention it, but Pastor Stuart is actually going to be here for our ordination service, but he's actually going to stay and preach that March 3rd service for us, um, so I'm really excited to see Stuart and Chelsea and the kids, and uh, always a privilege to have him preach, I know you guys love my dad, the guy who's actually preaching my ordination service, um, I don't think he's ever been here, his name's Jeff Jones, but he's a, um, a good, good friend, a wonderful preacher, you will love him as well. I did not mean to make that entire week about me, but it's just the way it worked out. So I promise once it's over, it's over, but I am excited for that week, excited to hear uh, Stu and my dad as well. Philippians 1, Um, we are going to preach through the book of Philippians. So this was kind of my plan um, for the past couple months is to to preach Philippians 1 for my... um, to preach Philippians for my candidacy service. And then if it went well, to continue through the book of Philippians. um, This is a good, good book, and I'm excited for this study. I like going through the books. I like um, just trying to study through the scriptures and see why Paul wrote this letter uh, to the Church of Philippi in whole. I encourage you, I hope that when we are studying through the book of Philippians, you are studying through the book of Philippians um, on your own and your own personal study as we study through it corporately. Um, I hope that you are studying through it privately and that we come to the same conclusions because uh, it only has one purpose. It, there's not, it means different things to all of us because we can apply it differently, but the word of God is, um, it doesn't. It's not multiple truths and we get to pick our own as one truth that we can apply differently to our lives. And I hope um, as we study we come to the same conclusions because they're not our conclusions, they're the Lord's conclusions. Uh, but I'm excited to go through the book of Philippians. Um, Matt, the guys, they, they kind of chose the theme of the book, Joy in the Jail, which is w- a very accurate. Because uh, we got to remember the context. We weren't here last week, the context of Philippians. This is a... This is the prison epistle. There's several epistles that were written from prison, but this was a uh, a church that was started in prison, and this written is this letter is written from prison to Paul, encouraging the church of Philippi um, to continue their joy, to continue their goal, to continue their continue their gospel mission um, as they go through life despite their circumstances, despite what they're going through. This is not just. Paul's under persecution in Rome, yes, but the church of Philippi is under persecution of its own. This is a heavily persecuted city. This is a very pro-Roman empire city, uh, very pro-Caesar. And if you come in and question Caesar, Caesar was a god, was a more than a king, more than a ruler. He was a um, kind of eternal god in their mind. So if you came in and questioned them and said there is a more true king, they did not like that. So this church was under heavy persecution, yet throughout the entire book, and I'm so excited these next several months um, as we go through this to see um, their joy despite their circumstances, and uh, the, the, the the passage we're going to read today is verses twelve through eighteen. Kind of an excerpt, kind of Paul's. It's the beginning. Really, last week was kind of the thank you, um, the greeting to the church, and this week he's really starting um, the 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 meat of the letter. We're going to talk about this first few uh, verses, and what Paul's really doing, and we're about to read it. Is he's really reflecting on his imprisonment? Yes, he's reflecting on he's literally sitting in jail. Now, I, I, don't over romanticize jail. This is not. He's not. At, at the federal penitentiary chill. This is a Roman prison, okay? And he's not just sentenced to 30 days. He is on the chopping block. He, and he'll, we'll read it. He says it in this, in this book. Um, he is expecting to be martyred. Now, we know that Paul is eventually martyred, but he's ex- and it's not from this ex- exact imprisonment, but he is expecting this to be one of the last, really, communications to the church of Philippians, to the church of So keep all that in mind. This is not just, he's sitting in a cell. This is, he is, in his mind, about to die, And these are his final words to a church that he got to see start and that he loves. So let's go ahead and read verses 12 through 18, and then we will uh, talk about it a little bit, and then we'll get into the service. Verse number 12 says, But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Now, if you do not like the word gospel, you're not going to like the book of Philippians. And you're probably not going to like my preaching because we're going to say it a lot because it's in there a lot. He says, the things that have happened to me, what's he talking about? He's talking about his imprisonment. He says, this thing has happened to me, but the gospel has been furthered. The cause of the gospel has been furthered and continued and pushed on greater than it was before because of my services. Verse number 13, so my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. Places, and many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bond, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some of the preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some of good also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention or conflict, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in patience or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. This is really the beginning of a statement that we're going to continue to look at more next week. But all this, these, these verses that we're looking at already, this could all be summarized to say this. The ministry that the Lord has given me has been worth it. The The call that God has put on my life, the call to do, the call to go, the call to preach, the call to serve Jesus, the call to, we could say it like this, the call to church work, the call to gospel ministry, the call to everything I've been through has been worth Worth it. Now, remember, he's writing this from prison. It doesn't from the human eyes. From the human eyes, and we all have human eyes, and I, I have very human eyes, and I see this. I'm like, how has it been worth it? You're rotting in a cell on the chopping block. He says, look, despite where I'm at, despite what I've been through, all of this has been worth it. Has been worth it. Have you ever done something, have you ever put a lot of time or energy into something A lot of energy effort maybe finances maybe maybe love maybe heart maybe soul you're put a lot of yourself into something and then at the end it not been worth it that's one of the worst feelings in the world to invest yourself into something and then it be anticlimactic unfruitful just not what you were expecting I I, I'm not a super detail-oriented person Matt is a very detail-oriented person very thankful for Matt's detail orientation i I desperately need detail-oriented people in my life because I am not detail-oriented. So I do not do a lot of very detailed things. I like big things. I like quick things. I like Legos because you can put Legos together in one sitting. I'm not trying to build a model airplane. I'm trying to put stickers on I'm not. I'm not into any, like I tried to do a puzzle a few weeks ago. Two hours in, I was like, puzzles are not for me. This is this is lame. Because I just don't like putting the time. It's just, eh, it's just not worth it. But there are a few things. I really, really like to cook. I really like to, uh, I'm not talking about just like, cook meals just to I like to like put a lot of work effort and energy to cook big meals um, it's something I've always, kind of, it's kind of a, really my, probably my one of my biggest hobbies just because I spend a lot of time doing it. It's something I enjoy uh, when I come home on, on the weekends, putting a lot of time and effort. And uh, there's times when I think of so many examples of this where I've put a lot of time. My mom has this cinnamon roll recipe that is excellent, excellent, excellent. But it takes about six to eight hours to make. A lot of that is rest time. It's like three to four different resting periods of really big, really good cinnamon rolls. It takes a lot of work. I remember the first time I made it, I put an entire Saturday into it. It was actually four, uh, I think it was four, a Sunday school thing or something I put a ton of time into it and of course I started late so I was up to like 3 a.m working on these cinnamon rolls. and I just it was they were big they were man they looked good and then when I took a bite it was just something was off it wasn't disgusting but it was just it wasn't like my mom's you know what I'm saying this wasn't mom's and I was like man all this time all this energy was not worth it and you really just feel like you've wasted something you feel like you've kind of put I don't know. You've put something in and just not got something back. I don't know. Have you? Maybe there has been a vacation. I've been on vacations before where I've put a lot of money into a vacation, put a lot of hype into. I, I like to put vacations far out and like what I like to watch hype build and you kind of get excited, get excited, get excited. But when you get there and it doesn't deliver, ah, bummer, annoying. It, it stinks to invest something and not. Get or return. Maybe it was anticlimactic. Maybe you didn't do something right. Maybe it just wasn't that good. But investing time, energy, and effort into something and it not being worth it is one of the most frustrating feelings in the world. On the other hand, have you ever put time, energy, effort, love, soul, fineness, whatever it is, into something and it completely delivered? I remember the first time I, I uh, we got married. Me and Sammy got married in the heart of COVID. We got married in June of 2020 when COVID was really doing its first um, big push and all the countries were closed and uh, we had been engaged since October. It wasn't, we planned it in, in COVID. We booked everything long before. My, my grandparents were missionaries to Costa Rica for 15 years and my, my mom worked for the airline. So every summer we'd fly out to Costa Rica um, growing up. And I wanted to show Sammy Costa Rica. So we planned our honeymoon um, for Costa Rica of 2020, which obviously COVID, you know, did, didn't work out too well. And I remember the day they, the the country of Costa Rica had announced that they were going to open up the country or close it or keep it closed on May 31st. We got married on June 1st and on May 31st, the day before our wedding, they announced they were going to continue the closure of it. So we had to plan our honeymoon kind of the day after Um, we got married. We kind of just got a hotel and planned a honeymoon. It was, didn't really work out. It was just COVID. was nothing was open. It was what it was, but then we decided we're going to use, we got all of our flight vouchers back, all of our travel money back, and we were going to plan something for the next year. And then the next year in the 2021, September, 2021, me and Stuart and Chelsea and Sammy decided to go to Hawaii for, for uh, 10 days to use all of our honeymoon passes and everything like that. And we planned it a year in advance. And if you know Chelsea at all, uh, this is Stuart's wife. Who you'll get to, if you don't know her, you'll get to meet her in a few weeks. Um, she is a detail-oriented person who planned and put a big itinerary together and worked super hard. And it was this big trip, all this hype. And then we got there, and it was even better than we expected. Hawaii, it, Hawaii is worth the hype. Hawaii is worth the hype. And we put all this money, all this energy, all this effort, all this hype, all this thought, and it was worth it. And when it's worth it, man, it is worth it. The point is this. When we spend our time, energy, effort, money, all these things, it better be worth it. If I'm going to invest my life, if you're going to invest your life, you're going to invest your time, your energy, well, all those things, it better be worth it. The Holy Spirit with the pen of Paul write these verses, and I'm preaching this sermon for a simple truth but a needed truth, and that is this gospel ministry is worth it gospel ministry is worth it another way i gotta say it is this church ministry is worth it another way serving jesus is worth it as a church and as your now pastor my job is to implore you to do the work of the saints To serve in ministry, both in church ministry, personal ministry, to serve Jesus with your life. And if I'm going to ask you to do that, that's a big ask. It's a big ask to ask you to give financially. It's a big ask to ask you to give of your time, your energy. It's a big ask to ask you to give these things. And if I'm going to, and if I'm going to give my time, my energy, my effort, it better be for a cause that is worth it. I don't want to waste time. I don't want you to waste time. So how do we ensure that it's not a waste of time? This isn't a point in the sermon, but it better be gospel Ministry. If we're going to participate in something, if we're going to give time, energy, effort, we're going to spend money, we're going to invest. It better be for the sake of the gospel, because that is the only thing that makes it worth it. Anything else, if anything else falls short, in our text, Paul describes a ministry or a life that is worth living. As a church, this morning, I really want to just study these verses. I want to study Paul's ministry, and I want to compare it to ours, and I want to see if that. Paul's ministry looks like our ministry that our ministry can be worthwhile not just as a church but as individuals does your service of Jesus reflect the example that Paul describes here why because the great commission applies to all of us the call to go the call to share the call to gospel ministry was a call to every follower of Jesus not just church staff not just deacons not just elders not just good teachers the call to serve the gospel goes to out to every follower of Jesus. So does Paul's service reflect mine? I got five truths, five truths, and guess what? They're alliterated. Pastor week one, I alliterated. It will probably never happen again, but I did today. They are alliterated, and they probably don't even make sense because I tried to alliterate them, but they are alliterated. The first characteristic that jumped out to me, the first characteristic of Paul's ministry that I want our ministry, that our ministry must have, is that Paul's ministry was a sowing ministry, or you could say it like this, a plant-sowing ministry, a seeding ministry. Verse number 13 says, that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. His testimony while in prison had increased the knowledge of Christ throughout. His ministry was continuously sowing gospel seed throughout everywhere that he went. Because If Paul was there, guess what? The gospel was there with him. And what he was doing was he was planting seeds. Here's the, here's the truth of this point. You have not been called to save anyone. You've not been called to transform anyone. But you have been called to tell them about the one who can. And what it means to sow gospel seed is not to create results, but it's to plant seed of the gospel that could generate life-changing results. We live in a results-based society. And a lot of the jobs that have a lot of sales jobs, a lot of results-based jobs, that's not a bad thing. Results create I mean, uh, excuse me, the uh, quotas create results. The desire to see results, the necessity. Let me say it like this. In a sales job, you better have results. If you do not have results, guess what? You probably will not have a job in sales. Why? Because a sales job requires results. I was in a sales job for several years uh, in the mortgage industry. I was trying to produce bank loans, and uh, it's a, it's a, we would give numbers every week, every month, every year. This is our quotas. You better hit this. And because of the fear of not doing a good job, the fear of losing my job, the fear of not earning a paycheck, the fear of not hitting my bonuses, guess what? I worked really hard, and I hit my quotas. Why? Because I wanted to see results that it required. I knew that if I didn't get the results required, I would no longer be fit for the job. The salesman job is to create sales, but that's not what ministry is. That's not what it's true. Ministry is different because the job is not to create a result, but to tell someone about the person who can produce a result. And the reason, the reason, the reason I'm preaching this the reason, this is necessary, is because ministry can be very discouraging if we don't see results. It can be, it can, when you serve, and some of you, I know our church is a wide range, we have people who serve seven days a week, we have people who are are not as involved in ministry, and I understand, I encourage you all to be involved, serve, find somewhere you can plug in and serve, but it can be very discouraging to serve in a ministry and not see results. Do you know the average youth pastor tenure is 18 months like the national youth pastor tenure, 18 months. These guys will go to school, get a four-year degree to be a youth minister, and they will do the job for 18 months. You know why? Because it's a discouraging job. You know why? Because it's a lot of planting seeds and not seeing fruit. And it's not because they're doing a bad job. It's not because the kids aren't paying attention. It's because it's the age, it's the time where you are doing a lot of planting and allowing God to give the increase, we're going to talk about in a second, and it gets discouraging. Why? Because you plant, and well, I mean, we could talk, you guys know more about plants than I do. You put a plant, you don't see anything for a while. But your job is not to produce a fruit tree, your job is to plant a seed. And the reason we can get through discouraging is because it is not our job to see results. We may not see the results. First Corinthians 3, 6-9 says this, this is Paul speaking to another church, the church of Corinth, it says, I have planted Apollos, who is his his co-worker, Apollos watered, but what? But God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth anything, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth, he that watereth, are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Paul didn't see the result of his planting, but without the planting, plants don't grow. He didn't get to see the fruit, but he did the planting. So why is it important to sow even when it feels pointless? Why is it important to serve even when you don't see results? Why is it important to remain faithful to your ministry, to your area? Why is it important to go to Awana tonight and work in your club? Why is it important to be on your connection spot? Why is it important to give? Why is it important to serve? Why is it important to do these things even when it doesn't feel like it's a purpose? Well, I got three little things I want to give you. It, is, it, it makes it important because just because, first is this, just because you not see the results does not mean the gospel is not at work. Just because you do not see a life change does not mean the gospel as work. There is always work done below the soil before the plant is visible. Look at your lives. Look at your life. How many church services did you attend before you trusted Christ? How many church? How many people invested into you before you made a decision to pursue Christ? How many people asked you to do something to push to go before you surrendered to do it? It's not because, they weren't, not because they didn't convince you. It's not because they didn't do it good enough. It's not because they didn't work hard enough. It's because their job was planting and we are waiting on God to give the increase. And our timing is different than his timing sometimes. And that can be frustrating. Because we plant, we work, we sow, we'll go to clubs, we'll do our ministries, we'll go to the schools, we'll, we'll, you'll invite your friends. You'll remember you guys have got lost kids, lost friends, lost coworkers, and you're planting and you're planting and you're planting and you're begging God, why hasn't I been given the increase? Why haven't I seen this person saved? I don't know, but I know that your job is not to produce a plant, it's to sow a seed. And just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Why? So keep sowing. Keep sowing. Just because you not see the results does not mean the gospel is not at work secondly your job is to and this all kind of goes together your job is not to produce a plant but to plant a seed listen to this knowing your job is essential to doing your job If you are unable to do a job you thought you were supposed to be doing, you will feel defeated very quickly. If you think your job in church work, in ministry, in following Jesus, what it takes to live a Christian life, be light, be salt, if you think your job is to produce results, you are going to feel discouraged and defeated very quickly. But if you think your job is to plant seeds, you'll be encouraged because you can plant seeds and not see results. Knowing your job is important to doing your job. If you don't know your job, you're going to feel discouraged because you're not going to feel like you're doing your job. Does that make sense? I feel like that's a lot of words that sound kind of similar. Doing your job. You must know your job in order to do your job, and your job is never to produce, it's to plant. Third is this. We all have people in our lives that we have never thanked for planting or watering that we could look back on and say they had a major Part in our growth and knowledge of Jesus Christ That we have never even thought of before But for years all they planted Our Sunday school teachers growing up Our, our youth workers growing up our fathers, our mothers, our aunts, our uncles, our grandparents—all these people that planted seeds of gospel growth in our life for years that we've never even thought of, never even thanked—but they were part of who we are today. And all they did was plant seeds, and they didn't know what they've done. They don't know the—they don't know the part they've played. But they sowed for years and years and years faithfully, and now we can look back and see the results. We can see the results. Paul's ministry was, and our ministry should be a sowing ministry. We should be consistently sowing gospel seeds. Not only sowing, we got to hurry. I got five points today, but it should also be a sacrificial ministry, a sacrificial ministry. Verse number twelve. I mean, it's pretty clear to see the sacrifice in here. He's literally in prison. Verse number twelve to fourteen. But I would, you should understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me, the things, prison, imprisonment, martyrdom, which have happened unto me, fallen out rather unto the furtherance. Of the gospel. That my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the place, palace, and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. He is literally saying, He excuse me, Paul is literally sacrificing his freedom for the sake of his of the gospel and his ministry. Gospel ministry, church work, serving Jesus, following Jesus, all these things will by definition be sacrificial because they are about someone other than you. And they require you giving of yourself to see them done. In another that, in another letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said this, And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. He was talking about being a financial burden to them. He didn't want to be a financial burden, but he says this, I am willing to be spent, why, for your sake. For the ministry's sake, for the gospel's sake, for the service of Jesus' sake. He was speaking in the context of financial sacrifice, but he didn't want to be a burden to them. But he says this, I will sacrifice myself willingly, my time, my energy, my comfort, my money, for you wives. For the furtherance of the gospel. Is it because they were really cool and he liked hanging out with them? Is it because they were good buddies? Is it because they got along? Is it because it made sense? Is it because he fit in? Is it because he had a good community? No, no, no. It was for the furtherance of the gospel. The only thing that makes sacrifice worth it is the gospel. Life is full of sacrificing. We sacrifice every day. Every day you make decisions to willingly sacrifice this thing for that thing. You will willingly give up this thing for that thing. You will willingly give up time with this person for time with this person. You will willingly give up time with this, effort with this, money for this, for effort and money for this. You know what drives those sacrifices consistently? Your daily sacrifice. Think about your daily sacrifice. You're going to sacrifice something today to do something else today. What drives those sacrifices is always love. Love drives sacrifice. Your love for this, your greater love for this, will allow, will allow you excuse me, to sacrifice this. Does that make sense? Because you love this, you will give up this. You will willingly miss something you really wanted to do because you love your family and are willing to sacrifice your love for them for a greater love for a hobby. Maybe you wanted to go to here, you wanted to do this, you wanted to buy this, but you know that your bills need to be paid. So what? You will sacrifice your desire to buy that Polaris 4x4, and you will pay your mortgage and love your family. Why? You love that, but you love this more. Why? So your sacrifice is driven by love. Love drives sacrifice. Sometimes we're willing to sacrifice the family for the 4x4 too, but that's, that's how I'm going preach that. Paul says, I love sacrifice... I have sacrificed so much, but this ministry that I love has made it worth it. Paul has literally given his life, and he's sitting here in prison saying it was worth it. Why? Because his love for the gospel ministry was a greater love than anything else in his life. His love for the service of, his, of the saints around him was a greater love than anything else in his life, so it made the sacrifice worth it. It is hard to serve. It is hard to follow Jesus. It is hard to spread the gospel. It is hard to be a true follower of Jesus that is making a gospel difference if you do not love it. It's hard it's hard to do something that your heart is not in, but the answer is not to quit or not do it simply because you do not love it. Maybe you need to check your heart, figure out why your love has left, and recommit to that. Maybe you need to find or start a ministry. Find or start a ministry. Maybe there's not maybe if you fall back or search not have a ministry for you that you feel like you can invest in, guess what? Let's start one tomorrow where you can invest in, plug in and do something for the sake of the gospel because the gospel is worth it. And we, we're in the business of investing time, energy, resources into the gospel. And if you've got a ministry on your heart that you think, man, I could do this for the sake of the gospel, why haven't we started it yet? Why haven't you come to us and why haven't we began it yet? That is why we exist as a church, to do the work of the gospel. So come, let's do it because it's worth it. Sacrifice is worth it when you love it. Maybe you need to find or start something. Maybe you need to plug in. Maybe you need to recommit. Whatever it is, you need to be okay with sacrifice. Why? Because the gospel is worth it worth it Paul is sitting in a Roman prison that his ministry literally the gospel has put him in and he is not moping He is not church shopping he's not being flaky to where the Lord has called him he is in, in love with exactly where he is because he knows that his obedience to the gospel is what put him there he's in love with exactly where he's supposed to be not because it's a good circumstance not because he's getting all of his you think he's getting all his needs met in prison you think he's getting you think he's getting petted and loved and kissed and uh, applauded in prison you think he's getting everything that you would say you need from your church, your community, your people in prison? I don't think he was getting it there. But he was in love with where he was because his sacrificial gospel ministry is where it put him there. And that's exactly the conclusion we should come to. We're, we hurry. Paul's ministry was a sowing ministry. It was a sacrificial ministry. But it was also a spreading ministry. A spreading ministry. The ministry was contagious. we got to hurry. And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the words without fear. Because of his sowing and his sacrifice, the other brothers around him gained more boldness and more confidence in their ministry. The truth is this. We're going to move to point four quick. Just as contagious as undedication is. Dedication is just as contagious. Just as contagious as unfaithfulness is, faithfulness is just as contagious. When you are committed to the gospel passionately and in love and willing to sacrifice for it, those around you will jump on. But if you are unfaithful to the calling the Lord has on you, those around you will jump off with you. Why? Because you have more influence than you will ever realize. You If you're under the sound of my voice, you have more influence in the world around you, the community around you, the people around you, than you will ever realize because you are a human being with life and breath, and God has given you that. And you influence and impact those around you. And if you will commit and be faithful to the calling the Lord has on you, watch the people around you. They'll jump on. Why? Because gospel ministry is a spreading ministry. It's contagious. When the gospel does a transforming work in someone... And they commit their lives to do that to do that for others and to serve others someone will see that and say man I need to be a part of that why because Paul just said that he said because of my because of my imprisonment because I'm here because the gospel has put me here the brothers around me have grown confidence and boldness to speak Christ why because it's a spreading ministry for it is a sincere ministry verse 15 and 17 15 through 17 Paul describes two groups of people he describes two groups of people he's literally uh, he, he Sorry, my notes jumped down. When the motives behind the ministry was different for the two groups, one group had insincere motives. You can read it if you'd like. Uh, We've read it a couple times already. One group had insincere motives. They were preaching the gospel for the sake of envy, for strife. They were contentious or rivals with Paul. They wanted to add to his bonds. They wanted to add to his afflictions. They rejoiced in his imprisonment, but what? They were preaching the gospel. One had insincere motives. The other group had sincere motives. These were, they, were, they were motivated to, to, to gospel ministry by goodwill or good intentions. They're motivated by love. They're motivated knowing that Paul is living to defend the gospel and that encouraged them to do more. You would think out of these two groups that Paul would condemn the first group and praise the second group. But what does he do? This, this baffled me in my study. This ba- baffled me in my study. What does he do? He, it, what does he say, verse number 18? What then? What does it matter? What does it matter? What does it matter their motives? What does he say? notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth. What does he say? Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. He says this, I don't care if they're out to get me. I don't care if their motives are bad. I don't care if they hate me. If they're preaching Christ, I will rejoice. What's the truth we can learn from that? The gospel ministry is bigger than you. It's bigger than your feelings, it's bigger than your emotions, it's bigger than your needs, it's bigger than your, what you require. Serving Jesus is bigger than you. And whether your motives are right or not, preaching Christ is always worth it. Now, do we want your motives to be right? Of course we want your motives to be right. I don't want you to live a miserable life wanting to be right because you hate Coleman and you want to see him in prison, you want to add to his body. I don't want you to do that. I want you to live life sincerely motivated by the gospel. Right? I want us to be sincere. But look, here's this. The gospel's bigger than your motives. The gospel is bigger than your desires. I've read, common, I, I was like, no, 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 I can't mean that. I studied, I re- that's what it means. It says, what, what does it matter? What does it matter, their motives? If the gospel is preached, it is worth it. The gospel is bigger than you, but sincerity should be the goal. Why? Because First Samuel, Samuel 16, 7, man looks in the outward appearance, but the Lord looks, looketh on the heart. Your motives matter, but not as much as the gospel. Not as much as the gospel. There's a sowing ministry, a sacrificial ministry. Matt, you can come play. A spreading ministry, a sincere ministry. But lastly, this was a sufficient ministry. And we've kind of hit all this already. Verse number 18, what then? What does it matter? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Because Christ is preached, because the gospel is being shared, because the ministry is at work, I will rejoice. Rejoice! He is writing from a prison to a church that is under heavy persecution, that their circumstances are bad. They're in a bad place. They, they don't know whether they're going to live or die. Paul literally thinks he's going to die. And he says, look, I am rejoicing. Not because of where I'm at. Not because of what I've been given. Not because of the blessings God has poured out on me. The reason I am rejoicing is because the gospel ministry is at work. Because Christ is preaching, I am rejoicing. And that was enough. That was enough to cause him to rejoice. That was enough to stir up joy and joy in Him. I think God has given us a lot of reasons to rejoice. Right? We've got a ton. We could go through and uh, the pen of a writer could not name them all. Right? That that classic song. We've been given so many things to cause us to rejoice. Good things. Family, love, health, benefit. I mean sport. I mean we're going to the Super Bowl tonight. We're going to rejoice if you're, hopefully Patrick Mahomes loses. I don't know. Maybe Kevin Lester. I'm sorry. We've got a lot of good reasons to rejoice. We've got a good reason to celebrate. Why? Because God has been good to us. He has poured out his blessings onto us, so we should rejoice. But Paul says this: Paul had not, at this point in Paul's life, I don't know his financial status. Uh, actually, I do know his financial status because the guy who brought him the letter, of the, uh, the the Philippian, the guy who brought the letter back to the church of Philippi was the only there to give Paul a financial gift from the church of Philippi so that he could survive in prison. They don't feed you in Roman prison. Your families have to feed you. So he, they brought him food and money to survive. So this is how he writes his letter gives it back to him. That's how the church gets it. So I know he's in a bad situation financially. I know he's in a bad place uh, in the eyes of the government, he's about to be martyred. His health's probably not great. Everything in his life is looking poorly. But what does he say? As long as the gospel is active and at work around me, I can rejoice. See, the Lord has poured out blessings onto us. Family, health, success, sports, all these things that are good things from God. And that you should be grateful for. And you should rejoice in those things. How, unfortunately, those things I just named are fleeting. They go, your health goes, your, your success goes, your family unfortunately goes, death is promised to all, hobbies, sport, abilities, all these things go and go away, but thankfully what should be our ultimate and final source of joy is something that is never fleeting. What should stir us up continually despite when our health is bad, despite when we lose a loved one, despite when our job is not going well, despite this, despite all the reasons. If we went around here and said, can you give me a reason to be sad? I bet we all have a pretty good reason. We've all got something in our life that I wish it wasn't this way, but our joy should not go with that thing because our joy should be found centered and solely in Christ. And when our joy is found centered and solely in Christ, we can have joy no matter what. Why? Because we have Christ no matter what. He's a friend that's taken closer than a brother, and we have him despite. Through the losses, through the struggles, we have him, and that way we can have joy. That's the purpose of this book. Joy in the jail is the joy despite our circumstances. Why? Because despite our circumstances, we have Christ and unfortunately when we lose things we have two responses and I'm done two responses there's two responses the Old Testament one is Jonah you read the story of Jonah it's a sad story it's a sad story the whole the only good of that story is and it's a pretty big pretty big good the revival at Nineveh is incredible and a whole nation turns to God but how does that story end Jonah Jonah preaches the whole nation turns to God and he's mad about it I mean, th- there was some serious racial contention. The Jewish people hated the Ninevites for good reason. The Ninevites were very brutal to the, to the Jewish people. But he hated them. He did not want to see He hated them so much he wanted them to burn in hell, literally. He did not want them to be saved. He wanted them to die without God. They get saved. He goes up and he goes up and he wants to watch them destroyed. God puts a plan over them. Uh, he doesn't destroy them. God takes the plan away. And Jonah is angry. He's angry. He's suicidal. He asked God to kill him. And he's a different version of who he was before. The prophet Jonah at the beginning of Jonah 1 and the prophet Jonah at the end of Jonah 4 are very different. Why? Because his circumstances were different. He had just seen something he didn't want to see. He had just felt something he didn't want to feel. He had just lost something he didn't want to lose. And his circumstances drastically changed who he was. And his joy left with him. And that is could be one of your response. When the Lord... Or life or whatever it is takes away these things that we base our joy in. That could be your response. Or you have the response of Joe. Job, after everything, in what, 51 seconds, every his entire life ends. All his finances, all his family, other than his wife, all of his kids die. Everything is taken away from him. This is not a parable. This is a real, true story of a real man who knew and walked with God, who had everything taken away, and what was his reaction? The end of chapter 1 says this, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, what? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Why? Because his joy was not found in his kids, but he loved his kids. His joy was not found in his animals, his crops. He loved those things, which were good gifts from God, but his joy was found in something bigger and greater than all of that, and if your joy is not found in in that I'm sorry but it will be fleeting it will be temporary, it will be damaged it will not last because life does not last so I'm begging you as you serve Jesus, as you walk with Jesus, you follow Jesus, as you're plugged into gospel centered ministry be a person that's joy is found regardless of your environment regardless of your center and that's not an easy thing to be, that's not an easy place to be but listen it's a worthwhile thing to be the title of this sermon is isn't worth it I hope you've come to the conclusion that it is It is worth it to give your life to serve Jesus. It is worth it to be in gospel-centered ministry. It is worth it to work and strive to live for Jesus. It is worth it. Despite everything else, despite where you're at, it is worth it. That's the invitation. There's a couple things. I I, I, I had to cut through some stuff, but I'm not going to preach a sermon like that and not give you an opportunity. I'm not going to give you an opportunity to respond. Every sermon that is preached, every the Word of God always requires response. On Tuesday nights, we have a young adult small group that meets at my house. And right now at the new year, we started a Bible study. We're reading through the Bible. And every week, every day, it's a five-day-a-week thing, we we write out the, it's called the Hear Bible Method, where you write out, you highlight a verse, you explain a verse, you apply a verse, and the R stands for you respond to the verse. Why? Because the Word of God always requires response. Okay, This is the explanation. This is the application. What is your response to this? The word of God always requires a response of the people of God. So when you hear a message like this, what is your response? I don't know. I'm not you. That's not my job. The Holy Spirit, I'm sure, has stirred up something in you. But I do know this: Awana needs some male leaders on Sunday nights. They need some men. They have. They. they, They'll probably take some ladies too, but they've been specifically asking for some men to serve in our Awana clubs, to lead in our Awana clubs. And they need some people who are willing to sacrifice a Sunday night to go down there for the next generation and try to teach them what what it means to know Jesus. And that's going to be a sacrifice, and that's going to be some time given up, and that's going to be some comfort given up. But listen, it's worth it. It's worth it. We're going to build a new building in the next year. And that's going to require some financial giving. That's going to require some sacrificial giving. That's going to require some time. But if that new building sees the next generation, our generation, come to Christ, guess what? It's worth it. It's always worth it when it's Jesus. It's always—so so respond to that. Bow your head and close your eyes. We're going to pray. Uh, if you come to an altar, great. If you don't, great. Your response should be centered in your heart because gospel ministry is worth it. You go ahead and stand. We're going to pray. Matt, you sing a verse. If you need to come do business with God, come do it. If you've never experienced what the gospel is, if you need to know that Jesus loved you and died for you, come let Coleman open a Bible and show you. Come let Ashley open a Bible and show you because the gospel is worth it every single time. Matt, you sing.